John chapter 1, we're going to read 1 to 14. And beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of, nor the, will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You may be seated. <clears throat> Good morning. Greetings in Christ's name this morning. This is the first Sunday um, in December, and we are approaching the Christmas season. The sermon today isn't necessarily a Christmas message, but there may be some points in the message that may cause us to think of Christmas. The title of the sermon is, Jesus is the Light of the World. What drew me to this, to this message or to this subject is a phrase that is found in John 3, 19. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Have you ever wondered when you're reaching out to someone, sharing the gospel message with them, why people don't accept the gospel message? You share the scriptures with them time and time again, but they still don't see Jesus. It seems like that they don't want to understand the truth. They have a closed mind to what God is telling them. They refuse to listen to God speaking to them. They have their own plan and agenda. They want to live their own life. I hope by the time we are finished with the sermon, we have a better understanding of what the light and the darkness is, and also how people respond to the light and to the darkness. In life, we operate well when there is darkness. Sorry, we operate well when there is light. This fall, I took my son out hunting, and the goal is when you go hunting, to get out to your hunting spot before the sun comes up. And on a cloudless night, it is usually a beautiful experience to go out into the woods when there, where there's no light pollution and see the stars and the moons shining very bright. Brighter, it seems like, than at my house. But I also take a flashlight along to shine on the ground as we hike out to our spot. That flashlight makes sure that we are still on the, on the trail and not wandering around in the woods away from the trail. It also shows us where there are roots or rocks in the path 
that we need to be careful to walk around. The light exposes those things. Also, it shows us if there is a tree that fell down over the path that we need to crawl over or walk around. Another case where I enjoy light is when I'm at work. Before a house is complete, there are usually no power in the house to turn the lights on. And there are times when the garage that I am working in is dark because of the lack of windows in the garage. Even though I have been doing garage doors for a while, I still don't trust myself to try to finish a door in the dark. And if I would do that, you probably most likely wouldn't hire me to do, the, to do your door. I make sure that I have my work light in the garage so that I can finish the job well, so that my tracks are level and the door works well. Another time that I enjoy light is I remember a time when some of my children wanted me to do a treasure hunt down in our basement with the lights all off and with absolutely no lights except for a tiny little light that only shone a few inches in front of it. They had had, um, some hidden clues in the basement that I was supposed to find with this tiny little light and I was to also dodge the furniture, the wall and other obstacles with this little tiny light. I was a poor sport and told him that I needed a brighter flashlight in order to find the clues. We enjoy being in bright light so that we can see And we spend extra time and money so that we can have some good light. To have light is important to us. Where I ask the question, is it important to you? And when I ask that question, I am, of course, now referring to our spiritual condition. What does darkness mean? In the scripture mean? I have seven things listed here um, of what darkness represents in scripture or gives us a picture of what it is or what it means. First, darkness represents chaos. Um, we can see that in Genesis 1-2, before God created the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Also, in Exodus 10-22, one of the ten plagues in Egypt Before God delivered the children of Israel, Um, and it says, the verse says, And Moses stretched forth his hand toward toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. And also, another time where darkness represents chaos is in Exodus 14.20. After the children of Israel left Egypt, um, and when God hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh and his army pursued after them until the children of Israel were trapped at the Red Sea. The cloud that led the children of Israel by day went behind them to separate the children of Israel from the Egyptian army. And I'm going to read the verse from Exodus 14.20. And it came came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud 
and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. The second thing that darkness does in Scripture is that it separates that which is holy from those who are not. In Exodus 20, 21, and this is when God was giving the Ten Commandments to Moses and the children of Israel. It says, And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Also in 2 Samuel 22, 10 and 12, it says, or it was it's about the time when David was singing to the Lord after God had delivered him out of the hand of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And the pronouns in these verses second in Second Samuel twenty two, ten and twelve, I believe, refer to God. And listen as I read those verses. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he made darkness pavilions around about him, and dark dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. The third thing that darkness represents in Scripture is that it describes the human condition in sin. John 3.19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Also, Luke 11.34 says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light, but when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. The fourth thing that darkness represents is that it describes deception in a person's life, or in other words, spiritual blindness. Blindness. Ephesians 4.18, it says, having, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. <clears throat> the fifth thing that the darkness represents in Scripture is the spiritual condition of of the unbelievers. Ephesians 5 8, it says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And we see the difference between the darkness versus the light. And also Romans 1 21, because that they knew not God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. The sixth thing that darkness represents is the destruction in hell. Matthew twenty-two thirteen, and this is talking about the marriage feast where this man came to the wedding without having his wedding garment on. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And also Matthew twenty-five thirty, the parable of the talents and the result of the servant who hid his talent in the earth. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. 
There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The seventh thing that darkness represents in Scripture is of judgment. Deuteronomy 28, 29, or De- sorry, Deuteronomy 28, 28 and 29. Um, these verses speak about what will happen to the children of Israel if they don't listen to the voice of God and obey His commandments. It says, The Lord God shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart, and thou shalt grope as noonday, as the blind gropeth in the darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. And this is what happened to the children of Israel when they went into Babylonian captivity. Also, in the story of Esther, speaking about um, that darkness represents judgment. In the story of Esther, do you remember what the people did to Haman when the king saw that Haman was guilty? They covered his face. There was darkness for Haman because he was being judged. Also, Matthew 27, 45, it talks, it says how there was darkness over all the land in the middle of the day for three hours when Jesus was on the cross. This judgment was a judgment on the Messiah when he became the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Also, different times in the Old and New Testament, it talks about how the sun will be darkened and the moon shall not give its light. And this happens right before Jesus comes back to the earth at his second coming to judge the world. I think that it's safe to say that most times darkness in Scripture refers to anything that is evil and unrighteous. So where does this darkness come from? I believe we can see the answer in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Here it uses the word blinded the minds. But we can see that the God of this world has blinded the minds. And the God of this world is, of course, referred to as Satan. Satan is the one who brings about blindness in a person's life, who allows darkness to surround an unbeliever. Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And still trying to answer the question about where darkness comes from. We see in Ephesians 6 that the world is darkened, and it also has rulers that govern this world. And the rulers of this world are the demons. They are the angels that Satan has entrusted trusted to carry out his plan. It appears that the darkness is a kingdom, Satan's kingdom that he has set up here on this world. Also, Colossians 1.13, it says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? And here again, We are delivered from the power, from the rulers of darkness, those that control the darkness. Um, Luke 22, 53, when Jesus was being arrested, he told the chief priests and the captains of the temple that this is your power, this is your hour, 
and the power of darkness. And that power of darkness is the same word as in Colossians 1.13. So what does light mean in Scripture? We see in Exodus uh, 13, 21 and 22, that God went before the children of Israel as a cloud and, a, and as a pillar of fire. This was God himself as the pillar of fire for the children of Israel. This gave them light in the dark for them to see. It says that the pillar of fire, this light, was not taken away from them, but was with them. This light gave them comfort and security. It also provided safety for them. It exposed the elements. It exposed the danger that was present. In Numbers 14.14, it says that this light was a testimony to the nations around them of the faithfulness of God. Another thing that the light means in Scripture is in Psalms 27.1, it says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the light. He himself is the light. It's not that he's holding a flashlight making light. He is the one who is the light. Psalms 119-105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And also Psalms 119-130, it says, The entrance of thy word, words giveth light. John 8, 12, it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. <clears throat> here we see what light means in Scripture, that Jesus says here that he is the light of the world. It is Jesus that shows us the way in life. When we are constantly following after Jesus, he will have light. We will not walk in the darkness. John calls him the light. John calls this light the light of life. This light gives us eternal life. It is life to the fullest. It is life real and genuine. A life active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. Turn with me to John 1. If you're not there already, I believe this gives us a good picture of what light means in Scripture when Jesus is referred to as the light of the world. In John 1, and John read it already this morning, so we won't read it again. But I think in this chapter, we see that the main focus is on the word, word, as we see in verse 1. In the Greek, this word is Logos. And Logos means the word, the speech, or the mind of God. And we see that the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning before the earth was created. And we know that the word is referring to Jesus, who came down to the earth and showed us the way to salvation. He brought light to every man both Jew and Gentile. This light shone in the darkness of this world that is ruled by Satan's angels, and they could do nothing to stop it, like we see in verse 5. 
This light overpowered the darkness at Calvary. It was there at Calvary that he brought life to all men, and this life brought light to those who believe in Christ. In this chapter, we can see that the light is the word, which is the one that expressed the words in the mind of God to those who believe. So Jesus, the light, is the one who expresses the words in the mind of God to those who believe. We know that it is through the words of this book, the Scriptures, just like Psalms 119 talks about, that shows us the way to God, that reveals to us as mankind who God is. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when we receive God's light in our life, we gain the knowledge of the glory of God. The same way that God commanded the light to shine in the darkness back in Genesis 1 is the same way that he allows the light of Christ to shine in our hearts so that we might know the knowledge of the glory of God. So how does the light of Jesus Christ or the light of the Scriptures light our way? Through the Scriptures, we can know we are where we came from, that the world, that us as humans, were created by God. We can know how God created us male and female, how he, cre how he has created the home. We see in the scriptures the light, the fall of Adam and Eve, and how it affected the whole entire human race. And we can see how, how God is a holy God, and we are forever separated from God, how we deserve the wrath of God on our, on our lives, and that it would be a just judgment, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, and also because of our sin. We also can know about how God loves us as humans, those whom he created, and, and can read about the promise that he made with Adam and Eve, that there will be a, a Savior to redeem mankind. Also, this light, the word, through the, through the scriptures, that we can also know who Jesus is, that he is the Savior the Messiah that God promised, who many of the prophets have prophesied. And not that he was just a good man, like the rich young ruler in our Sunday school lesson. And he, he was not, the, Jesus was not just a good man, a teacher, or one of the prophets, or one who does many kind deeds for people, but that he is the Savior, one who saves sinners. It is through the scriptures that we can know what our sin that we have committed will do to us. And also how we desperately need Jesus in our lives each and every day to redeem our hearts through the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross. And it's through the light of the scriptures that we are also able to know God's plan for this world, for the people living on the earth, that we will live one day in eternity, in heaven or hell. And also, 
be able to know what will happen to Jesus or happen to Satan, who is the enemy of God the Creator. When we are exposed to the light, we are then aware of God's plan for us. This light is the exact opposite from the darkness. And there's a couple of verses that I want to read that point that out. Colossians 1.13, and this is speaking about God the Father, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. God brought us out of darkness and into the light of his Son. And also Ephesians 5.8, it says, For ye were sometimes smart, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You were one time in the darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. And also it's Proverbs 13.9, it says, The light of righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. We can see in this verse again that light and darkness are complete opposites. Every single person on the earth is either walking in the light or is walking in darkness. There is no gray areas. There is no in-between areas. And I understand that there is things in our life that may need those that are walking in Christ. There are things in our life that need to have the light shine more brightly. And that's part of the Christian life. But are we walking towards the light or are we walking towards darkness? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. <clears throat> so how is one place in this realm of darkness? <clears throat> it started way back <clears throat> in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. After Adam and Eve sinned and catch this, they heard the voice of God walking in the garden they try to hide themselves from the presence of God. <clears throat> when did Adam and Eve try to hide after they sinned? It is when God spoke to them. When God revealed to them His mind, just like it was talking about in John 1. When people hide from God, when people live in darkness, they don't want to know about their sin. And what that will do for them. They don't want to hear from the words of Scripture. The truth that reveals to them who they truly are. That it will cause eternal separation from, from God. And that there will be an eternal punishment from a holy God. Adam and Eve's sin. Their disobedience gave them a guilty conscience that brought shame in their lives. And we, we know that they tried to cover up their shame by trying to fix the shame themselves. Just like the rich, wrong, rich young ruler in the Sunday school lesson, he was trying to get to God himself. They sewed fig leaves together for a covering. They sewed something that was insufficient, something that wouldn't last very long compared to the covering that God would cover them with. Many people do exactly what Adam and Eve did. They will sew fig leaves together to try to cover up their sin. <clears throat> they try to do it on their own strength instead of allowing God to give them healing to their souls. 
And this is what the Pharisees did so many times in the New Testament. I'm going to read some verses from John 3, 18 to 21, and you can turn that passage well if you like. John 3, 18 to 21. And we are still trying to answer the question, how is one placed in the realm of darkness? I'm going to start reading in verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The phrase in verse 18, he that believeth is condemned already. And zeroing down to the word already gives the idea that those who haven't believed in Jesus, those who are in the darkness, have been condemned already. In other words, before John wrote these lines, the believers, or all people, should I say, even the believers or unbelievers, before the believers believed, were already condemned. And it was because of Adam and Eve's sin. When the light came into the world, when Jesus is revealed to the world, it brings condemnation. And what is condemnation? I think it is when wicked men re reject the salvation that Christ offers or the light that shines in their heart. They bring upon themselves misery and punishment. In other words, when the light shines, or you could say when someone preaches the gospel message, or anyone proclaims the gospel message, preaches the truth from the scriptures, every single time there is a division. There may be some that reject God's truth and try to hide deeper into the darkness. Or there may be some who allow God's light to expose them for who they really are. And we can see that the one is broken and the other is consumed with pride. The one who hides in the darkness is very proud and the one who accepts the light is one who is broken. What makes people continue in darkness? It says that they love darkness rather than the light. They don't want their life to be exposed. They want to remain hidden. They want to be at a place where no one knows what they are doing in the dark or in secret. And this is talking about the spiritual life, not necessarily the physical life. And it's not that these people haven't heard about Jesus. They have seen the light. They've heard the gospel, they've heard the gospel message and ran. These people love the darkness. And the word love here is a strong word. It's the word agape in the Greek. This word is one of the strongest words in love. It means to take pleasure in the thing, prize it above other things, be unwilling to abandon, to abandon it or do without. Those in the darkness love to be there so much 
that they would do anything to remain there. They will give up all of eternity so that they won't have to be exposed. Just a few verses before in John 3, it says, For God so loved the same word, agape, the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Those in darkness so loved to be there that they gave up themselves to remain there. What makes a person remain there? It is because their deeds were evil. They were not agreeing with God about their evil deeds and also about themselves. As we look in this chapter, John 3, who was Jesus talking to in this chapter? It was Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. What evil deeds do you suppose Nicodemus was involved in? He was most likely caught up in his pride that he was earning his way into heaven. On the outside, he did everything right according to the law. He didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah at that time, for he only called him a teacher. He didn't recognize that Jesus was the Savior of the world. He was just a good man, just like in our Sunday school lesson. The Pharisees, they studied the law. They heard the prophets prophesy about Jesus, yet their eyes were blinded to whom Jesus was. They saw Jesus' compassion toward people, how he healed them and ministered to them. They heard Jesus' teaching, yet they failed to see who Jesus was because of their hardened hearts. And this is who Nicodemus was. Those in darkness hate the light. They want nothing to do with the light. 2 Thessalonians 2.10, it talks about how people will not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They won't receive the truth so that they can receive sal salvation. Since we are here in John 3, let's talk about those who are in the light. Those that are in the light doeth truth. We allow the truth of God's word to wash over us, allowing it to change us where there is sin in our life. The word doeth is the acting out of what one believes. We don't get it right the first, day, first time that we are saved, the day of our salvation. We don't get it all perfect. It's an ongoing work. It's an ongoing doing of, what that, of that which is right. We are still in our fleshy bodies. There's times that we fail. But when we do fail, we get up and move forward to that which is right. We move forward to the light. Those that do with truth, like I said, cometh to the light. We are moving toward the light, not hiding from it. We are allowing the Word of God, the light, to expose us <clears throat> for who we really are. We are allowing God to search us. <clears throat> To see if there is any wicked way in us. So I just want to challenge you. Are, are we, am I, are we open to the light of God shining into our hearts and into our life? 
How are, how are we responding to the light of the world? When the light is shining into our life, are we trying to dig our hole deeper? Trying to hide our spiritual life from God? Or will we come to Jesus broken and exposed so that he can bring healing into our life? I trust that we will allow the light of Jesus to shine into our hearts. And Psalms 139, 23, and 24, I'm going to read that, and then we can kneel to pray. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's kneel to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the light of your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the light of the world, that you um, show us the way back to the Father, that we can um, experience eternal life. I pray, God, that you would just be with each one of us, and I pray that you would just search our hearts, see if there be any wicked way in us, and lead us to everlasting life. I pray that you would just guide and direct each one of us. If there's things that need to be sh um, shown on in our life, I pray that you would shine it in our hearts and that we would take the steps to allow you to expose it in our life. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and your love and your mercy, Lord, that you are still working on us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.